Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon, presented by Tiop.com by the PJ Tour. I am your host, Shane Bacon, and boy, that was pretty exciting. PJ Championship, Brooks Kepka now apparently doesn't lose major championships. Tiger Woods apparently is a guy that is going to win a major championship. So many storylines going in. Uh, I was glued to the television. I was actually calling the U.S. Women's Amateur in Nashville. We had that yesterday, and uh, it was a really, really great one. Kristen Gilman won her second U.S. Women's Amateur in four years, joining a very, very short list of players to do that, and she did it in unbelievable fashion. So Julie Inkster, Brad Faxon, and myself are calling the action, and we got done right around 4 p.m. local time in Nashville, and I am rushing to find anywhere to watch uh, to watch the, the end of the PGA, and I threw in my maps just sports bar, and there was a Buffalo Wild Wings down the street, and I drove down to it and parked myself in front of a TV and did the whole Tunity app thing where I could listen to the audio in my ear, and I was there by myself, and you know it was just golf shot, drama, fun. I know it was a little anticlimactic at the end because Kepka just kind of ran away with it, and you felt like Tiger had to do something on the 17th, but... I said it on Twitter yesterday, and I will emphasize it. Tiger looks like he believes in himself, and that is the most important thing to come out of 2018, in my opinion, in golf, is that Tiger believes that Tiger can win. I think we all were skeptical, potentially, about his his chances of actually winning an event, and Tiger showed us that he can do it on the right day, in the right circumstances, and uh, man, it was a lot of fun. Joe Buck joins me. Uh, in just a few minutes to chat about the whole PGA Championship and to chat about Tiger. So uh, we broke down the good, the bad, and the ugly from the PGA, and we talked a lot about Brooks Kepka and where he kind of sits now in this uh, in this era of golf. I mean, there's not many players with multiple major championships, and there's just one player above him in this quote-unquote modern era of these under-40-year-olds with majors, and that's Rory McIlroy with four. He's now tied with Jordan Spieth at three. He, he gets, you know, he's two past his buddy Dustin. He's two past Justin Thomas and Jason Day and those types of players. So it's been the year of Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's the player of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And he's showing that once he has his hands on the lead, it's not going away. This week, of course, the Wyndham Championship Sedgefield Country Club isn't the only Donald Ross gym in North Carolina. Mid Pines and Pine Needles are absolutely fantastic tracks and must plays for Roth's enthusiasts. And you can book a tee time at both, even without a member. And thousands of other great golf courses across the country on tee by the PGA Tour, the official tee time reservation site of the PGA Tour. And you can do so without booking fees. That's right, no booking fees. Every golf course, every tee time. Plus, as a valued listener of the clubhouse, you'll get to save an additional 25% on deal times with the single-use promo code TEEOFFBACON. Type in TEEOFFBACON. You'll save 25% at TEEOFF.com by the PGA Tour. The season continues. We, of course, at Fox and FS1 will be at Pebble Beach this week. And we kick off coverage on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, FS1. It's the U.S. Amateur. It's at one of the best golf courses on the planet in Pebble Beach. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll start in the match play on Wednesday and roll through the weekend. So set the DVRs. Uh, I tweeted out, if you go to at Shane Bacon, the TV times for this for every single day. And it's a little bit later if you're on the East Coast. So you're going to get a little bit of primetime viewing if you're an East Coaster, especially in that round of 16 and quarterfinals, so sometime like 7 p.m., sit down on the couch, maybe open a beer or a glass of wine if you want, or maybe just a water, an ice water. That's nice. It's summer. And you can take in the U.S. Amateur Live from Pebble Beach. We're excited to be there. And before we get to Joe, I just wanted to say when it comes to golf equipment, we always want the newest driver that bombs the ball like Brooks Kepka, a ball that flies five yards further, shoes that the best golfers in the world are wearing, 
The one thing that never gets enough attention is the one thing you use for every golf shot, and that's the thing that holds and protects those expensive golf clubs. That's your golf bag. If you haven't changed it in five or ten years, treat yourself to an upgrade today with the Ogeo Cirrus bag. It's fully loaded with all the features you want in a golf bag, yet still remarkably light, very light. You can carry it effortlessly while also protecting those brand-new clubs. It's complete with a water-resistant pocket for your valuables, a rapid access pocket, making it quick and easy to get a new ball after you send one into a backyard. Check out OGO.com or your local golf retailer to get your hands on the Cirrus today. Stop carrying around that golf bag you've had since the 90s. It's time to upgrade OGO, the world's best bags. Okay, you've heard from me. A lot of fun, exciting week. We were busy at FS1 covering the U.S. Women's Amateur, but we kept our eye on the PGA Championship, as golf fans do. And I, uh, I, I was lucky to snag Joe Buck to jump on with me and recap the week. And we welcome back into the clubhouse uh, for the first time this summer, I believe, Joe Buck. Is that right? Have, have we done this yet? I feel like uh, after the U.S. Open, you tend to, uh, to depart the golf world for like a week and just kind of uh, clear the head. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is it. This is our uh, maiden summer voyage, 2018. So let's make a count. Let's not screw it up. Let's do the uh, listeners justice. So, you know, I mean, we just uh, off of probably maybe the, the most, I don't know, interesting PGA championship for about 16 holes that I can remember. And I mean, it's because of one man. So let's get into the guy that didn't win to start. And and I hate to not credit a, a Brooks Kepka, and we're going to talk about Brooks Kepka, but the storyline, if you're a journalist, if you're a writer, was what Tiger Woods was doing. And it's not just what he did at the PGA. It was what he did coming off the open. I mean, you know, getting himself in contention, you know, leading on Sunday. And then coming into a PGA Championship where he shot his best 36-hole score over the weekend he's ever shot in a major championship. It really felt at one point during that second nine like Tiger Woods was actually going to win this thing. I agree. He's made a believer out of me. I was, I think, firmly in the camp of I just can't see him putting four great rounds together and winning another major championship, which is obviously what it takes to get that done and, and getting to 15. Uh, and after watching what he did over the weekend and his ability to scramble, his ability to miss fairways, not hitting one through the first nine holes and yet uh, making birdies, incredible recovery shots, uh, good short game made some putts uh, it's it's all there and uh you know maybe he needed that one to kind of get the blood pumping again i know he was for a brief while in the mix and in the lead at the british open but this just this just felt different and so you know i was glued to the tv I, i'm sure most of uh, american golf fans were glued to the tv watching every moment of it and uh for a while there it looked like it was magic from uh, earlier this century, uh, which is kind of weird to say, but that's what it was. And man, it was it was really fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, it's the drama isn't isn't just with him winning. I mean, I think that's what we're learning with this quote unquote comeback. I mean, I know Tiger's gone through what four or five comebacks now over the course of his career, and especially the last ten years. But the drama is is in just watching him and seeing if he can keep it together, which is so weird to think because this is a guy that obviously when he would get near the lead in the olden days at major championships, it was over. It was game over and everybody could go home. But it's he gets close and he gets on a tee on a par five and you're thinking, man, if he makes eagle here. But we also know that this is a guy that that is not confident with the driver and he really hasn't been the last few years and anything can happen. And I think that has added to the drama that is the Tiger Woods of 2018 is there's so much good to be had 
But we also know that there's a lot of bad in the game as well. And we saw that on 17. We saw the big block, and he had to scramble to make a par, and he made an unbelievable par. But it's not like the guy that just stripes it down the fairway, which is funny to watch because it seems like Brooks Kepka is that guy. He se- when he gets near the lead, he smells blood. It seems like it's game over. Yeah, I agree uh, on both counts. I, I think with the Tiger, uh, you can even go uh, a little further back. 13 is a par three. He made uh, he made a putt there, made birdie at the par three, walks up the hill to what CBS was calling the ridge, which uh, I don't, I've never heard of Please Bill Reeve a thousand times. I've never heard it called the ridge, but uh, it, with this massive elevation change of about 15 steps, but we'll leave that for another day. And uh, he has iron in his hands and he blocks it off to the right, gets into the heavy rough, tries to just mash a nine iron out of that heavy, uh, heavy rough and comes up short, makes a, Eh, chip and then his putt kind of lifts out it looked like it was going in the entire way it lifts out it was another missed opportunity and he had such momentum going then he gets it right back on what is a crazy difficult hole which is 15 i mean i to me it's it's the hardest hole out there and uh hits another nine iron to about six inches and uh he's right there and so then he goes to 17 and blocks that driver and all the, uh, all the air kind of came out of, of the, the tiger balloon at that moment for me. I mean, he, he needed to make Eagle and the day before was in position to make Eagle and three putt right. from, uh, from hole high on that same 17th hole. So yeah, it is not vintage tiger woods along those lines and Kepka is lethal. I mean, he's become like a cyborg uh, machine that in a major, if he smells it, he he is not only going to grab it, he's going to do it with flair. I mean, just mashing the driver and seemingly being able to do whatever he wants, turning it either way or just hitting it dead straight. Uh, The guy's got so much confidence, obviously so much game. He's, He's a big outside linebacker looking guy but he's got he's got touch and feel i mean he he is the best golfer in the game right now and you're right with what you said earlier nobody really paid any attention to it but you know we're all romantics at at heart i think and and uh you know for him uh, he he was kind of the the afterthought winning his second major of the year yeah, Joe, and, and what I've thought about Brooks Kepka that I'm not sure I've thought about before, I guess you could say Rory when Rory won his first two majors because he won them by so many. I mean, he, he just he showed up with a game that was not going to get beat. You know, when he won the U.S. Open at Congo and when he won at Kiowa, he was running away with those, and it was the Rory show the entire week. But I, I personally feel like for the first time since Tiger Woods was in his prime, we found a guy that when he's in contention on a Sunday at a major, I feel like there's no way he's going to lose to the point where on Saturday afternoon, I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but on Saturday afternoon as they were making the turn, I wrote, we were watching the best major championship player of this era. And of course he made a couple bogeys and people were giving me a whole bunch of hell, but I was still confident that this guy was going to do it. He just seems like the mental game there is one where when I'm close, it's mine. I don't care who else is there. I don't think he cares about much. I don't even see him being that emotional when he wins. Right. Uh, and maybe maybe that works to his advantage, especially in the game of golf. I mean, he is not like, you know, he didn't even wait 
to let Adam Scott clear the stage. And, you know, Adam's back there going, hey, uh, I got to make this putt here for a lot of money. And, you know, the whole thing was over. It was kind of odd, really. But he just walks up and taps it in. And he's like, ho-hum. And then CBS has, has got the crowd shot. Jim got the girlfriend's name right, which is great. I got to meet her this week, Jenna Sims. His mom is there as some big secret that's revealed. And he's like, oh, hey, when would you guys get in? You know, it's like there, there was no, oh, my God, my mom's here and I'm sharing. He just it seems emotionless. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying it is, I, I think it's a real asset that, the emotion is kind of taken out of it. And this guy is just kind of like, see the ball, mash the ball, go find it in the middle of the fairway and mash it again and go make a putt. And uh, that's got to worry anybody that's in contention with him, because I don't care what level golfer you are. You're playing in a club match. You're playing in, you know, in some big NASA bet, whatever it is, when nerves creep in, your swing changes, your field changes on the greens. He just doesn't seem to have that. And, uh, man, does that work out well for, for him when the stage is the biggest? Yeah, and, and, you know, we were lucky. Obviously, you and I are lucky to get to work with Curtis Strange. You know, I know you're a big fan of him. I am as well. And to me, the lone time I've even sensed an emotional attachment to anything was when, when Curtis got a chance to talk to Brooks after he won his second straight U.S. Open. And I feel like Curtis being there is the only reason, because Curtis is the last guy to do it. Every interview he does, it's uh, it's this is my job. This is what I do. I, I, I want to win. I feel like he wants to win. I mean, I'm not, I'm, as you said, I'm not exactly sure what he wants to do in the sport of golf, but he's doing it you know better than anybody right now. I just I don't get much from him. And, and what's interesting is he and his camp are people that they almost take that as a slight. He doesn't get enough attention. We, we don't, nobody talks about him enough. But there's not much to talk about outside of the fact that he gets major championship wins done on Sunday. That's, that's what his career is so far. I, just, I get no sense from the little I've been around him, and I have been around him away from the golf course. I've been around him you know, at a baseball game. I had him in the booth, and we talked for a while. We texted a bit. And I don't get the sense that he, if his camp is upset about it, I don't get the, the sense that he is upset about a lack of attention or a lack of, uh, you know, he's in a ultra, Michelob Ultra commercial. I know that. Um, but I, I don't get the sense that he's, uh, that he's really uh, desirous of, of being, you know, the, the poster boy for golf. I think he just wants to go out play his golf, live his life, and uh, the trappings that come with being a multiple major champion, let alone back-to-back U.S. Open champion, I don't think he really cares about. And and I don't think that's a slight. I think it's the guy is, is not impressed with himself in the best sense of that phrase. He's not uh, beating the drum saying, look at me. He just goes out and wins. And, and him tapping in before Scott finishes – uh, on 18 yesterday is a perfect example of it. Like I don't, you don't need, we're fine. I don't need to make this the big dramatic moment. And you know, that that's the way he goes about the week. And it's probably why he's so damn good. And it's interesting because when you watch Kepka, and again, this has been this year, I mean, he wanted Aaron Hills and it was a, I don't think it was a shock to anyone. I mean, I think people believed he had the pedigree to win major championships, especially if you look at his resume over the last three and four years, 
But he won at Aaron Hills, and that was great. And he was another great young American player with the major. Then, of course, he, he wins at Shinnecock, and you're like, whoa, this guy's got a ton of game. He won back-to-back, and now he's won three majors. When you watch him play in these moments, and then you look at a Spieth or a JT or a Dustin, and these guys are grinding in these majors. It just looks completely different. Even Tiger. I mean, Tiger was grinding throughout that round. You mentioned that nine iron he hit to a foot. That was as excited and as pumped up as I can remember seeing Tiger Woods because he knew he had a moment. He knew he had a chance in that moment to do something. Kepka doesn't ever get up and down, ever. Not once. And I can't really remember, I can't really relate him to a player that does that. And I was wondering, I mean, you're a guy that knows a ton about sports history. Is there an athlete, even outside of golf, that you feel like Brooks Kepka kind of resembles? Jeter. Jeter had fun. Jeter had had his life and and had uh, had a good time. And the tabloids had plenty of ink to spill over Derek Jeter and the girls that he dated. But he really kept a low profile, and he became cyborg like. Uh, you know, he was the guy. He was the captain of that team. That in '96, he's rookie of the year. They win the World Series. And then they go on that three-in-a-row run, and seemingly every year for the first 10 years of his career, they were a threat to win it all, and he was the centerpiece of all of it. And Joe Torre will tell you that, that, yeah, there was Mariano Rivera. He was quiet in the clubhouse, but he, he, didn't, he wasn't vocal if that clubhouse needed a talking to. Eventually, it was Derek Jeter. So uh, that, that's what I see. There, there was a a boring quality to Derek, just like a boring greatness. And, uh, you know, he, he was not the guy that you would get the crazy quote from. He was not the guy that was stirring it up with some dumb comment after a game or something against the Red Sox, or even when A-Rod came to the team and those two were not great friends, uh, at one point had, uh, kind of a strange relationship. He never took the bait. And, uh, I, I get the sense that, if Derek Jeter was standing on that green and, and it had hit his second shot beyond the, the hole and it ran it down the hill and the putt was sitting on the edge, he too would have walked down and tapped it in and said, I know TV wants this great moment. I'm sure Jim has a line for, for what's about to unfold. I don't care about any of that. I don't need to stamp my greatness. I'll just do it with winning again. And winning trumps all. It trumps all those theatrical moments and so i i see a lot of Derek jeter in him and and for me as somebody who was there in 96 and covered jeter really every year of his career in the in the big moments uh that's as that's as high a compliment as i can pay comparing him to somebody in another sport and it's it's the best possible boring of all time boring <laughs> greatness and and that that's what that's what jeter was it, he expected it I think Brooks Kepka now expects it and uh, watch out because he's young. He's fit. Obviously he's, he's only going to get better with all this experience. So uh, th- this will not be his last time in the winter circle at a major. I, that, uh, that seems really obvious. And you mentioned something. I just want to go back to Tiger for, for just a moment. You mentioned something about Tiger, and I was right there with you in the camp that I, I didn't think we'd ever see Tiger win again. I definitely didn't think we'd ever see Tiger win a major again. I think the last two majors have made Tiger believe in Tiger, which is a weird yep. thing to think. And I think going forward, are, you're, are you of the camp that you believe that Tiger is in a position headed into 2019 where on the right week, you know, in getting the right breaks and facing off against a guy that maybe makes a bogey late as opposed to Brooks Kepka, that Tiger could run through this 2019 schedule and, and snag a major. 
Yeah, but he's you know better than I, um, and and obviously everybody on our tax chain that you and I are fortunate enough to work with and, and major champions in their own right, um, whether it's Curtis or Paul or you know obviously the multiple uh, time winner on tour and Fax and Steve Flesh. I mean they, everybody, I think inside the golf world says let's see him consistently hit the driver. Right. And put it where he wants to put it. And then we can start making those statements. I mean, his his brilliance was on display yesterday. Uh, and and only a few times did I see him hit a driver that looked like it went to where he was going. He's he's almost to the point where he's not used to just bending down and picking up the tee anymore. It's like I need to watch this thing to figure out where it's going to land. Uh, and you know, the, the people in the know and the people that have played and won at that level, uh, obviously nobody that we know like tiger, uh, all say, just let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see him figure out the driver. And until he does, uh, you know, the, the jury is still out. And, and that has been kind of my go-to line on tiger throughout the return is it's been so fun. He is so unbelievable. I can't remember an athlete doing something like this, having this many speed bumps and finding a way to get himself back into a place and a position to compete. And as you said, a place to compete with a big part of his game that's not there. The issue being is Tiger can get close to the lead, and that's awesome, and everybody gets excited. And that shot of him walking over the bridge with all those fans looking up and him waving at him is one of my favorite shots of Tiger in 10, 20, 30 years. It was unbelievable. But – He's got to beat these guys like Brooks Kepka, who steps up on 17 and pipes one 350 and steps up on 18 and takes it over the bunkers that are supposed to come into play, and they're not scared to hit driver in fairway. I can't even tell you, saying how small he made 18 look. Uh, and I played that, like I said, I mean, I've, I'm not a member there, but I, I play there quite a bit. And to for me to just think of standing back on that tee and go, yeah, forget trying to bend it, forget trying to draw it, hang it out to the right and draw it back into the middle of the fairway. He just filleted and smoked those bunkers down the left side, which Vijegas did the same thing when he won uh, at Bell Reve. It's just there, there's a there's a distance there. There's a confidence there. And you're right. Uh, with regard to Tiger, I, there was kind of a, the human side of Tiger, I thought, that came out for the first time in a long time. In some ways, maybe ever. When he did the post-round interview, I, I almost I was expecting a, a couple more words when he said, the fans just treated me with such great respect here as a golfer. And, and I was waiting to hear, and as a person, you know, I mean, the person Tiger Woods has been through so much majority of which is is because of his own behavior i'm not i'm not saying it's not but i think everybody kind of wants this redemption story and wants to see him great again because he changed the game forever and we're all kind of yearning to see that and feel that again and he kind of sprinkled his magic dust over that event all week long and, and the fans here in st louis which is where i live which is where i'm talking to you from right now uh just drank it and ate it and uh enjoyed it all weekend long it, it was it was an unbelievable story in the city uh that that i think really proved you bring an event here and uh people are gonna support it like crazy yeah it was it was crazy the crowds that were out there and they were out there all week long this was a golf it was course almost too much i gotta be honest with you it was almost 
I don't, I don't know if there, I guess there's a limit. Um, and I guess there's a limit where it becomes almost counterproductive, but, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I was much happier sitting here on the couch watching, watching this drama unfold. And it, it was, it was seven, eight, nine deep around tiger. And when I went out and I did follow tiger and Kepka and watch them play practice round together on Wednesday, it felt like it was five, six deep then. And uh, the event hadn't even started, let alone everybody's off work and they're out there on Saturday and Sunday. It was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, the story going into the week was about the golf course, and, and I was texting with you about the conditions, and it just been a bad weather year for you guys in St. Louis. Uh, the golf course, that storyline seemed to kind of disappear come Thursday and Friday. It, it held up great, I thought. I thought the rough was penal enough to where – uh, I know the greens were slower than they wanted, but the rough, if you hit it into it, you were basically just chopping out to the side. I felt like the golf course was good enough to host a major championship, and I also felt like there were St. Louis fans that took people talking about the conditions as a slight to the area and the event, and I always felt like those things are co- completely you know, different and separate. The fans were great. There were a lot of them out there, and the event was great, and the conditions did hold up, I think, a lot better than most people thought they might with all the foot traffic on the golf course. Yeah, Dan O'Neill, our friend, uh, wrote a great column about it. and he, I think you have to live here like we do to, to understand the mentality. It can be very sensitive around here, and I think it kind of takes on the, the little brother uh, don't pick on us syndrome sometimes here in St. Louis. You know, my, my wife, who grew up in Denver and I, I made moves here to St. Louis from Santa Monica about five years ago, rolling <laughs> her eyes every time I tell this story. But there was a time, 1904, the World's Fair was here. The Olympics were here. And St. Louis and Chicago were kind of neck and neck, vying for what Chicago ultimately became. And so I, I don't want to say it goes all the way back to then, but this is a really provincial area that, uh, that I, I think kind of gets defensive when somebody says something about it, it's always been known as a great baseball town, not city. Uh, the Rams and the Cardinals, two NFL teams have moved out of here, which you know, people around here take personally, because I can tell you it was not from a lack of support that, that that's a myth. Uh, it may be from, you know, a lack of corporate money that, that could be thrown at luxury boxes and all that. But, but as far as the average fan, they can't get enough of sports around here. The Blues draw incredibly well. And, and so now you have an event like this. And it's like, well, we're going to show you. And, and they do it. And it, you're right. It has nothing to do with the golf course. All golf courses in this area are struggling because of the heat and the lack of rain. And it's just living in the Midwest in 2018. And so, you know, I think they're going to redo those greens. Uh, if they do get another event, I think the green situation will be different next time around. But but I think all in all, you know, from, from the great job CBS did of telling the story of the fans to what the players all said on their way out of the door, uh, I, I just think it was overwhelmingly positive. And uh, you're right, the golf course and the condition of the greens, that was the story going in, and it was not even on the list of the top 50 stories going out. How many texts do you get on a week like that asking for tickets or, uh, you know, boxes? Hey, are you going out? What's your phone situation like on a week when a big golf event like this is in your hometown? I get uh, I get enough. I mean, I get I get quite a few, but we, we all have in our friend group, we have Jay Williams who played on the tour uh, 
for you know a number of years and is a member and kind of the poster boy for Bell Reef Country Club. He was actually in the shot at the end of the the end of the event yesterday when uh, Kepka was walking into the scoring area and Tiger was out there waiting for him. It was Jay standing there. Uh, I think all that was directed at Jay, and uh, I kind of got the uh, the week off from that. But I, I was glad to go out there. I went out there to honor Ozzy Smith who's done such a good job with the PGA reach program uh, and, and was one of the big reasons why I think this event came here uh, for the hundredth anniversary and the celebration. And, uh, and I wanted to be out there to support him and, and to show how much I love the guy. And, and then I got a taste of it. And then I played golf on Thursday and I played golf yesterday morning and I came home and I watched it and I've never had a more enjoyable afternoon with twin boys in the pool for the first time and then hopping out every five minutes trying to see what the heck was going on. It was just it was a great day. And I was proud of my hometown. I thought it was, uh, it was a good week for, for St. Louis. Let's take a quick break with Joe to just remind you that when it comes to golf equipment, we always want the newest driver paired with that ball that flies five yards further. The one thing that never gets enough attention is the thing that holds and protects your clubs, and it is an essential part of your on-course fashion. That's your bag. Treat yourself to an upgrade today with the Ogeo Cirrus bag. Check out Ogeo.com or your local golf retailer to get your hands on a Cirrus today. So stop carrying around the best golf bag you've had since the 90s and upgrade that bad boy Ogeo, the world's best bags. All right, back to Joe. You know, it, what was interesting, and, and I, I, you know, we were doing the women's amateur in Nashville, so, you know, the, the Saturday we got off early, so I got to watch almost all the coverage, um, and then I got to co- basically watch the second nine yesterday uh, as we got off the air. What I was very impressed with with the St. Louis fans was we didn't get a lot of the yelling. You know, you didn't get a lot of the guys screaming in the background, which, you know, it happens at every event. It happened at the Open this year, even though they say that never happens there. It happens a lot. But it didn't seem like there was much of that going on. And I wanted to give kudos to the St. Louis people because with that many people out there not having those random screams and the annoying mashed potato calls, uh, if you can get an event with that many, with what is it, 100,000 people out there and that not really remember a scream in a backswing, uh, that's really, really hard to do. I didn't hear any of it. And I was out there. That was one of the things I was paying most attention uh, to on Wednesday when I went out. And I was just watching kind of the the craziness around tiger. I wanted to see how the fans were and they, they were quiet during the, the practice round. There was just none of that stuff going on. So uh, it, it's, I, there's something here that that's really cool. It's why guys like Jim Edmonds and Ozzy, who I mentioned, and uh, a ton of NHL players that played for the blues end up living here. And, and I think there's, there's a, a respect for sport in this town that I think they wanted to try to now and I can't, this is not just a crowd from St. Louis. It's a crowd from all over, a crowd from all over the Midwest. So this is really a tip of the cap to everybody that was out there. I didn't hear that stuff either. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was a nice relief where, you know, you don't feel like there's somebody in the crowd that always just wants to be heard so that they can go back and rewind it on their DVR and, TiVo and whatever and say, you know, well, that's me. I yelled. Listen to me. This is me yelling right after Tiger Woods hit. God, that stuff gets old. Oh, but, it's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the worst. complain about it because then I'm the fuddy-duddy that is doing the get-off-my-lawn act. But I didn't I didn't hear a lot of that yesterday or really all week. And, you know, I'll, I'll be the old guy that says that that's annoying. That is the worst thing in golf, and I'm really, really happy when we have an event that does it. You know what's interesting about 2018, the, the major championship season, and 
Um, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on the majors. Is this is going to be a year, I feel like, where the players that finished runner-up are going to be remembered just as much as the players that won. I mean, if you go back to Augusta, Ricky Fowler makes that great run to try to catch Patrick Reed, and it looks like he might finally get that first major championship. We, of course, get that unbelievable round from Tommy Fleetwood, a near 62. I mean, it, it looked like he was going to shoot 62 on Sunday at Shinnecock, which seems unfathomable. And then you get all those players that made a run at Molinari at the Open. I mean, Rory was right there, finished tied for second. And then, of course, we had Tiger Woods here uh, alongside uh, alongside Kepka. It, it's one of those years where it's almost what could have been, even though you know, I don't want to say that and seem like I'm taken away from the guys that did win it. But there were some players that were huge names to do some big, big things that were so, so close to claiming all four of these majors. Yeah, that's good. I, I think you need that. You know, I, the, for somebody who covers TV sports, not just golf, the little that I do cover it, you need, you need a good, strong runner up, you know, whether it's the Cubs winning the world series two years ago, and you've got Cleveland up three games to one, and they take them to extra innings of game seven at home. I mean, that's, that's what makes a great game and, and eventually makes a great series. Same with the Dodgers uh, playing runner up to the Astros last year or a great Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles or, uh, you know, a great Stanley cup final. You, same with with the NBA and you look at what happened this year it was basically a walkover in the NBA final and it, it becomes way less memorable right. so I, I think you always need uh, you always need uh, a great second place story runner-up story to make the winner uh, that much more memorable the difference is for this past event the runner-up was Tiger and and you know for Kepka as we've talked about I don't think he cares, but I, I think the story coming out of it was this tiger mania and, and him finally kind of stepping forward. Uh, and, you know, Kepka's I'm sure fine with that. And uh, this, this was a, this was a special week for the game of golf. And then you got the Ryder cup announcement coming out of it and the Ryder cup coming up in Paris, which I think will be really fun and interesting. So golf's, riding a bit of a wave and and uh no shock that that wave comes with tiger woods uh on top of the surfboard on top of the wave all right joe you ready for the segue you ready for this yeah tell me you could you can give me a one out of ten on it speaking of tiger woods and success uh we're going to pebble beach this week uh it's the u.s amateur you and i get to be a part of it it's one of our favorite weeks i know you and i discuss this quite a bit when we're not you know doing a podcast is we love doing this event because there's so many cool storylines to tell and it really concludes a USGA season that I'm not sure course-wise we will ever beat. I mean, if you look through the slate of places we've been with the Quaker Ridges and the Shinnecocks and Chicago Golf, uh, and now we get to go to Pebble Beach to conclude really the, the season at Pebble, it's a pretty exciting week. And last year, I would say, was probably the most fun event we've ever covered, considering what happened late at Riv, you know, with the Eagle Birdie finish and it going to 37 holes and that being the 10th. And, and then, of course, on, on the heels of that, we get to go to Pebble. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and you've been to, let's, let's clarify, you've been to a lot of these great places. <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been to a few of them uh, this calendar year, and you're right. I mean, the USDA knows how to do it. I mean, when they, when they want to set up a season of golf, you know, they're there as well. And you didn't even mention the Broadmoor. I don't think you mentioned the Broadmoor, which was – walk out of your hotel and walk about a hundred yards and you're sitting in the booth getting ready to do the event. I mean, that's about 
you can say what you want about all the other golf courses in the history of Chicago golf and, uh, and Shinnecock and everywhere else, Quaker Ridge, but just the convenience to that whole place was uh, second to none. So it's been a fun year. Uh, you're right about the U.S. Amateur because it is just kind of raw golf. I mean, these guys don't have huge resumes. Uh, you just go out and watch them play and take on the golf course, and this year we get to do it at Pebble Beach, which will be great for all of us because we have the U.S. Open there next year. So I, yeah, this, this event, you see the, the youth uh, and how great uh, these guys are. We saw that with Redmond and Gim last year, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have some crazy story coming out of Pebble Beach uh, when we, if we do this, and I know you don't want me again, uh, a week from today. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see out there and, and can't wait to climb into the tower at, uh, at a place that, that, you know, I, you could put it up, I think for all involved from the facilities to the, the mystique, to the history, to the views, to the golf. To the, I mean, it's arguably the best place in the continental United States for golf. And I can't wait to, can't wait to sit down and, and watch it with you. Yeah, we kick it off on Wednesday. Joe, uh, congrats on the success of the event. I mean, I know you're not the mayor of St. Louis, for goodness sakes, but it was an, it was an awesome PGA. For I mean, the, the PGA routinely, and I know we're changing it to May, but it just seems like it's the final major of the year. There's the buzz that is the buzz going into it, for, for better or worse, and then a lot of the times it delivers, and it delivered again, and uh, now we've got Brooks Kepka, who, as you said, maybe maybe the maybe the best player in the world. I know the rankings say it's Dustin, but... It's hard not to say it's Brooks Kepka, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does in 2019 and beyond. Joe, I will see you uh, over the week. I appreciate taking some time. Anytime. Thanks, Shane. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Big thanks to Joe for jumping on with me and chatting a little bit about it. It was a fun week. We're excited to get to Pebble Beach and roll through our USGA season as we kind of re- we wrap it up. I will say that with the U.S. Amateur. Of course, we still have the mid-am to broadcast as well, and we're excited about that event as well. And again, Sedgefield Country Club, not the only Donald Ross gym in North Carolina. Mid Pines and Pine Needles, also great tracks, and they're must-plays for Ross enthusiasts. And you can book a tee time there without a member and thousands of other great golf courses across the country on teeoff.com. Buy the PGA Tour, the official tee time reservation site of the PGA Tour. You can do so without booking fees. That's right, no booking fees. Every course, every tee time. Plus, as a valued listener here of the clubhouse, you get to save an additional 25% on deal times with the single-use promo code TEEOFFBACON at TEEOFF.com. Big thanks to TEEOFF.com. Big thanks to OGO. Hope you guys have a great week. Tune in on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, FS1. The U.S. Amateur coverage kicks off. Of course, qualifying going on right now, and we will roll you through match play. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I get a chance to broadcast such a fun event with so many young players that you will see on the PGA Tour literally in weeks, months, years. These are the guys that are going to be the future of the game. These are going to be the guys that are going to try to chase down a Brooks Kepka and a Justin Thomas. So I on the TV this week, U.S. Amateur, and we'll check back next week. <laughs>